Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. for today. Many of you know her, but she is now part of our Thursday evening group when she started back to work. She's been a part of that group. And um, last year, Bonnie and I were co-leaders together on Thursday night, and um, I just enjoyed so much learning from her. God has, has really um, gifted her in so many ways, and I'm excited for her to be here with us today. So I'm going to invite Bonnie to come up, and then we will pray for her together, and she will get started. Father God, we just love you so much. We are so thankful that you are our solid rock, our firm foundation, our comfort when we feel forsaken. God, you are with us, and we trust you together. So I thank you so much for the ways that you are moving in Bonnie's life, and I'm just so grateful, God, that you have given her the courage to come up here before us and to share what you have have spoken to her, and, and you'll speak through her. So would you help us, God, to listen for you to hear from you and to um, to just take in whatever you would have for us and, and apply it to our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, it's great to be back. Ooh, I feel loud. Sorry. <laughs> so like Amy said, my name is Bonnie Bonstead. I loved being a part of the morning Bible study for years. I always got so much out of coming and opening the word together and hearing from each other. And then um, when COVID hit, I decided to jump back into work part-time. Um, so now I get to meet a whole new lovely group of women in the evenings, and, um, but I'm glad to see some friendly faces and be back this morning. So I'm Bonnie Bonsed. This is my husband, Eric. We have been married for 14 years. We've been at TBC since college, so for about 16 years. We went to UMHB, graduated, and got married shortly after that. Um, We have three babies that are growing up way faster than I would like to admit. This is our oldest, Luke. He is in third grade, and he is your typical Star Wars Nerf gun-loving nine-year-old. He's hardworking, and he can make us laugh the best. This is our middle, Claire, and she is in first grade, and she loves everything art, And cooking, she has a heart of gold, is quick to forgive, but has a very deep competitive side. Um, And then this is our baby, Lily. She is in pre-K. She is the spice to our family that we needed. Um, She is spunky and confident. She knows what she wants, and she will tell you. Um, So last week, April spoke to us on Psalms 1 and what the blessed man looks like, and she encouraged us to go find community. Today, we're going to pick up right where she left off with Psalm 2 and what it means to have a king over our lives. So I'm going to be really cliche, and I'm going to start by asking you what you think of when you think of a king. In our book, Nancy talked about the British royals. I don't really care about them very much. So what first comes to my mind is a king's kingdom and princesses and princes and battles and guards. Um, So growing up, I went through your typical princess phase, like every little girl, but mine probably lasted a little bit too long. Um, I wanted the biggest, fluffiest dress that I could find for my first formal in high school, secretly to feel like Cinderella. 
Um, so it's not just us women that are drawn to this idea of royalty, right? I watch my nine-year-old son pick up anything that could be a gun and shoot and run around and battle the bad guys. So it's even in our boys. Disney has sure captured this desire and fascination that we have with all things royal. So what is it about us that draws us? Is it the safety and the peace that comes from being under the protection of a good king? Could it be that God has designed us to desire to live under this kind of authority? But something has happened along the way. We've decided that we don't want to fully place our lives under that authority and that kingship. We've decided that our way is better, and we don't want to be constrained to the ways of another. It starts when we were little, doesn't it? Remember that little five-year-old I told you about? She's quite feisty, and she so desperately wants to be in control right now. Well, since she was two, really, but we're still working on it. Um, She tells me that she's the boss and that she doesn't have to obey and that she gets to make her own choices, even if those choices aren't good for her, right? Um, So while I patiently tell my child that she has to obey, and I pray that her will will bend and that her heart will soften towards me and her father, I am reminded at times that I am that five-year-old screaming at God, pushing back against his authority on my life. So our psalm puts it well in verses 1 through 2. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Our sin has thrown off God's perfect plan for us. We are meant to come under the protection and love of a good king, but we refuse it. We take our stand against him. Why? Well, my why is and has always been control, pride, and fear. While my childhood was far from perfect and my family had many struggles, I was blessed enough to grow up going to church. When I was five, I walked the aisle and I prayed the prayer. While I was young enough, while I was very young, I do truly believe that I had faith like a child, that I believe that Jesus died for my sin and I wanted to give him control over my life as much as a little kid can. As I grew, my faith deepened, and the Lord protected me from things and carried me through difficult times. I'm so humbled that um, from such a young age, I've had the Holy Spirit to guide me. But even growing up, knowing of the Lord's goodness and faithfulness and love hasn't kept me from struggling to accept his complete authority over my life. Our psalm continues in verse 3. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Nancy puts it in the chapter this way. We want to be free of any restraint. We don't want to live the way that God has prescribed. We've got our own ideas about what we ought to do. We want autonomy and not authority. While we want to be free to choose God's way when it suits us, what we want most is to keep our options open. We don't want to be ruled. What Nancy is describing here is control, that while we want to have all the blessings and the comforts that a relationship with God brings, we don't want to give him control over our lives or our choices. Well, I've always loved control. Kind of like that feisty five-year-old, she didn't fall very far from the tree. I've always enjoyed being independent, 
doing things my own way and not wanting help from anyone. If I thought I would need help or if I didn't think I could do it, I just wouldn't do it. That's why I don't do sports. <laughs> so let's fast forward in this control-loving little girl's life to 2013. After a short struggle with infertility and a really difficult chapter in my marriage, I became a mother. Quickly, we added two more babies to the roster, and the Lord answered our plea and allowed me to stay home with them. So there I was, surrounded by diapers and bottles and toys, and I really do think I was truly thankful for it. But I was still trying to do it all on my own, not accepting help from anyone and not living under the complete authority of our Savior. I wasn't weighing his will and his decisions with my daily choices. I wasn't allowing him to focus my mind and my choices and my emotions on him. A side part of my story is that I don't have a good relationship with my own mother. We talk occasionally, but we aren't close, and our relationship is really broken. This broken piece of my life has fueled a fear that has guided my mothering, a fear of failure, of rebellion for my children, and ultimately a distance from them as adults. My answer to that fear has been my good old friend, control. Isn't that weird that our sinful nature wants us to do when we fear? It wants us to just grab on tighter and not let go. But our loving Savior gently beckons us to bring our fears to him. He wants to comfort us and show us his ways. 1 John 4.18 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Then we hear in Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So it sounds really easy, doesn't it? A promise of help and strength and love in a time when we are terrified and fearful. Why don't we run to that? It sounds practical, right? But we don't. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just get so frustrated with my sin and my unwillingness to trust him, which if we're getting really technical, just means that I'm refusing to submit to his authority. And after all this time, I still want to choose my own way. So now I have an almost nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old, and I'm not drowning in diapers anymore. I'm drowning in curriculum and lessons and schooling. But the Lord has revealed to me that I have allowed this fear of failing as a mother to turn into an idol. I have rejected his authority in this area of my life, and I've placed my kids and my desperate desire of success in parenting over my God. This idol means that when I do fail, instead of feeling the Lord's grace, all I feel is a soul-crushing guilt and a white knuckling to do it better next time, which always leads to another failure. I feel like I've been on this cycle for about a decade now, and I'm really exhausted. <laughs> Recently, the Lord has been opening my eyes to the consequences of this idol in my life. I have become defensive about my children, even to my own husband, 
We've had countless arguments over the years of me correcting his parenting, even though he is a wise and wonderful father to our kids. I am prideful about my home and how I can maintain it and handle it all without help. Holding so tightly to my family and my success as a mother has made me turn inward and not be kind and open to the world around me. I've placed such an importance on my duties as a mother that doing, and doing them correctly that when I would have time away from the kids, I would always rush and hurry back and be so anxious while I was away from them because I couldn't control what was happening. How can you control something when you're not there? I didn't see strangers or friends in need, and if I did, I refused to act because I was taking care of my family first, right? That's a good excuse. I became silently judgmental of people that were parenting differently than me, and on the flip side, so intimidated by women I thought were doing it right or doing it better than me that I refused to enter into a friendship with them. This has led to a loneliness and a weight that I don't want to carry anymore, which is actually really good news, because our psalm goes on. In verses 4 through 6, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. We don't have to be our own little kings. God has already placed a king over us. And the best part is that this king is kind and loving. And because of that, I don't have to carry this weight of control and fear anymore. This King Jesus, who wants our obedience, was willing to die to have it. When an earthly king takes over a new nation, how do they treat their new subjects? There might be violence or harsh rules for them to show that and earn their authority. They might use violence to, to gain submission from their new people. They're not, they're not caring about the people. All they care about is submission and obedience. And they're willing to go to extreme measures to gain it. This is not the king the Lord speaks of in this verses. Yes, he does deserve and will have ultimate rule over the earth one day. But he gently calls for us. He quietly waits while we try our own way again and again sometimes. And then he gently takes us back every time we fall. This kind of king, this king of kings, can be trusted with our obedience, our loyalty, and our devotion. So how do we do this? How do I stop leaning on my own control and my own strength? How do I set down this idol that I have fed and nurtured for so long, and put it under the good, kind authority of our King Jesus. Psalm 2 helps us with that as well in its final verses. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Our answer is to worship, to rejoice with trembling, and to take refuge. Verse 12 says, do homage to the sun, but I love the ESV version that says to kiss the sun. We only kiss those that we are close to and that we can trust. 
And Jesus is showing us that we can. The only way to stop being our own king is to turn over that crown that we hold so dearly and so tightly onto and give it to the one who truly earns it and who truly deserved it, deserves it, the one that can be trusted with it. But if you're like me and you find yourself wrestling over and over with turning over that crown and that control, my challenge for you is to look deeper into who Jesus is. How can we trust someone that we don't know with the full authority of our lives? But Jesus wants us to know him deeply. He wants us to come to him and learn about him, learn how he treated those around him, learn how he loves us. Because when we truly get to know him, there is no other choice than to love and to trust him. So I wish I had a pretty bow to tie this up with, but you guys, I just don't. This is something that is still so fresh in my life. My heart is still being softened to this new conviction of what my life has looked like and how I want to turn it over to the authority of our Savior. But the Lord is gracious, and he is slowly and gently giving me ideas and showing me how to pray and ask for that heart change. So this is Frida. Um, Since I stopped having babies, I've now kind of turned into the crazy plant lady. Um, which is shocking because there was a time in my life where any plant I bought lasted a week and then it was dead. Um, so my favorite house plants are fiddle leaf figs. I have five throughout our house. I told you I'm just a little bit crazy. Um, this is my largest one. And like I said, her name is Frida. I'm naming them now. Um, (laughs) So when Frida gets a new batch of leaves, or any of them for that matter, um, I'm just really excited. I kind of act like a new mama again. So these leaves, I don't know if y'all know about fiddles. These leaves, they start off tiny. Um, And I watch them grow. I check for spots. I check for distress. And then, as it takes a couple weeks, but then they turn into these beautiful giant leaves. And I just get so much enjoyment and excitement to seeing that process um, and to seeing these plants grow. So this is what the Lord sweetly does as we soften our hearts to his authority. He slowly starts to produce fruit or fiddle leaves in us. The change may be small, but he has shown me such grace and I am seeing softness in my soul. He is helping me to look up to strangers around me. He is bringing new friendships that are not tainted with this fear of mothering wrong. As I have slowly been trusting him with my kids, with their future, with our relationship, and acknowledging his good and perfect will in my life, he is giving me a peace and a gentleness in my spirit that I have not felt in a really long time. So are there still days that I want to take that crown and that control back? Of course there are. But now I see what I was doing and how I was rejecting his authority of my life. I can quickly come to him, ask for forgiveness, ask for help, ask him to control my thoughts and my emotions. So I want you to think back to those Disney movies that we talked about in the beginning. Now I know something always goes wrong. But in the beginning, we are introduced to the princess, who is safe and protected and living her life 
under the security of her father, the king. Her father, the king. Our king isn't just a good king. He is our father. He calls us his daughters, ladies. I love watching my husband with our girls in particular. He is gentle and firm when needed. When he snuggles them, I can see their complete trust in him. They know that they are safe. They know that he is good and that he will take care of them no matter what. Because of this trust, because of this knowledge of his goodness, they are willing to obey him most of the time. Ladies, it feels really, really vulnerable. But we are, inside, we are invited to be that child, to be that daughter, and to sit in our Heavenly Father's lap to relax and trust. We are invited to put down these fears that control us and the way that we make choices in our lives, to set them at his feet, and to know that because he is good and because he loves us, that he can be trusted and ultimately that we are safe. Our response to that should be to obey, to follow his will, to serve him, and ultimately to praise him. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, I thank you for this group of women, Lord. I thank you for the time week after week that they, that they make to study your word, to come together, to grow in you. I pray that you will help them feel your kindness and your love, Lord, that you will help them come under your authority when hard choices come up, that they will uh, be willing to give you that control, Lord. I thank you for the ways that you grow us, and we ask that you will continue to grow us closer to you and closer to each other as we walk this road together of living under your kingship. In Jesus' name, amen.